Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Test, Learn, Grow, the level agency podcast that is focused on marketing and, and really thought leadership um, across the, the, the sphere of, of marketing and, and strategic management in general. Uh, I am incredibly excited to welcome our next guest. This is a part of the Executive Leadership Series in Education, uh, sponsored by Complete You, that we're in the process of bringing to market. Uh, I am incredibly grateful and honored to welcome Chris, Dr. Chris Brusalis, who is the, the recently named president at Point Park University. Uh, Dr. Brusalis, in addition to being um, the president at Point Park, has served for over 30 years uh, in higher education uh, at the Heinz College at Carnegie Mellon as an adjunct professor and he has also been the chairman of the Hill Group, a national management consulting firm. Uh, so Chris has an incredibly dynamic background, um, and he is, is looking to take on some of the challenges that we all face in higher education in some really interesting ways. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dave. Really appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Fantastic. We're, uh, we couldn't be more excited to have you as a native Pittsburgher, uh, I'm incredibly inspired by um, how you're thinking about the university and, and its impact on the future economic vitality uh, of our region. And we will get into that uh, as we, we get into the, the substance of the podcast here. But first, uh, just wanted to allow you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and, and talk a little bit about kind of your own personal story um, as it relates to, to uh, your, your business background and, and even your your path to uh, higher education. Yeah, so uh, so I've been a longtime management consultant, uh, about thirty-two years uh, in in that industry. The longtime CEO of the Hill Group, which said a national management consulting firm. Then last several years, uh, trying to semi-retire as uh, as chairman of that firm. So I I got into the whole thing back in graduate school. I was taking a class at the University of Illinois. Uh, I took a class called management consulting, had no clue, seriously had no clue what the words meant. It was just the most popular course in our, our school of business. So I, I, I took that, took that class, absolutely loved what I was doing. And I had an outstanding professor, uh, Tom Trone, uh, who I'm still friends with to this day. And, and I, I got, I got into it after I got out of graduate school, I put up a shingle and I also start teaching at uh, the Heinz College, it was called the uh, School of Urban and Public Affairs back then, which became the Heinz College of Information Systems and, uh, and, and Management. And uh, yeah, started back then, 32 years ago. So it's it's been fun. Primarily a uh, practitioner uh, with my management consulting firm, then part time as a uh, professor, Carnegie Mellon. It's been a it's been a fun fun ride. So the intersection between learning and and teaching and business, I think, is really pretty fascinating. Can you just talk to me a little bit about just some of your early influences? You you mentioned a, a teacher at the University of Illinois. Uh, who were some of the folks that really inspired you to um, to to have such a kind of a divergent set of interests uh, as it relates to your career? Yeah, I think I think you know Tom was one who uh, really showed me, you know, um, that profession, that industry really was a, was a convergence of a lot of things that I was interested in. I, I, I love working with people. I love solving problems. 
Um, you know, I, I, I like working in complex situations, complex, complex organizations. So that was the, uh, that was a perfect, you know, a perfect path for me. And then another, you know, mentor I had early on in my career, probably one year after putting up my shingle, I met this guy named George Hill and my company's the Hill Group and met George at a dinner party of all the class reunion chairs at Allegheny College at the President's House. I was the chair of the five-year reunion, reunion class, and George Hill was class of 42 at the time, the chair of the 50-year reunion class. And you know, he, he had three companies he was selling, and one was a management consulting firm with about 50 professionals. So back in the day, that was considered a pretty big firm. It was before the big, you know, national accounting firms kind of got into it. And so he's on his way out to the profession on my way in. We hit it off. And the next thing you know, um, my small little company is, is a sub to his firm. And then I quickly um, affiliate with that firm, then merged with that firm. Then several years later, bought out my partners. But, you know, what an incredible opportunity. So, you know, I'm, I'm right out of grad school, young kid. And, you know, here I'm, you know, in a boardroom with the chairman of Rubbermaid and I don't even know what, what the word vendor means. Right. And, I'm, you know, I'm having these, these, these opportunities, you know, at the time Rubbermaid was George Hill's firms, uh, one of his big clients. That was when Rubbermaid was uh, Fortune Magazine's best managed, uh, most admired corporation. And we were one of their prime management consultants. So I had an opportunity to cut my teeth in about every Rubbermaid facility in North America, plus some other, you know, very, uh, uh, very high quality clients. And so that was, uh, you know, a heck of an opportunity for me. And, and, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my, um, uh, my successes and the fun I've had to those two mentors in particular. Wow. Well, and in the Allegheny college roots, um, when I think about even the reason we're having this conversation today, uh, we have a mutual friend in John Meyer, who's the CEO at complete you. I know John considers you to be uh, somebody who's been a mentor in his professional life, uh, a fellow Allegheny College alum, and, and he's a friend of mine. So I, I think that's one of the things I, I do love about Pittsburgh and just mentorship in general. Um, you know, I, I think you find, oftentimes find that um, your worlds collide with good people and, and it's incredible um, the impact that um, somebody that takes an interest at you, in you at, at such a important stage in your your life, professional, personal or professional, uh, it what a big impact that can make, right? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. And, and well. I imagine, not to put words in your mouth, but I imagine that's probably part of what got you involved in teaching. Um, in addition to, to to being involved in consulting and helping people through your business. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always I, I love teaching, and I've always been interested in higher education. You know, as, as a student and. And then, you know, for 32 years at, at Carnegie Mellon, I think um, for me, I, I love it. <clears throat> Teaching keeps me young. It forces me to stay current, you know, in, in that industry and in the, in the topic matter and the discipline. Um, and <clears throat> I think also when you teach, you become a better practitioner. Um, and so, you know, I've gotten so much value out of it over the years. Then the, the, the final thing, it gives you an opportunity to give back. You know, when, you know, other people have, you know, mentored both of us and, uh, you know, we've had some, you know, we've had some successes along the way through, you know, uh, 
through those experiences, people taking interest in us, giving us advice. And so it's, it's a great feeling to be able to give back. Absolutely. And, and so talk to me just a little bit about, it sounds like your consultancy um, began to do work in higher education and just in, in talking to you and getting to know you a little bit, that's, that's kind of what brought you to Point Park, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, so sure. Um, then my, cons- my, our consulting firm, uh, so we were focused in, you know, lar- large corporate work, uh, large institutions, healthcare and nonprofits and governments. And we really got into uh, higher ed, probably well over doing a little work in higher ed. But uh, the thing that really pulled me into higher ed, um, you know, at a greater extent was uh, one of my clients, uh, Tom Galonsky, who's actually, Tom's another mentor of mine. Tom was my client at Integra Bank, and then he was the CEO of National City Bank of Pennsylvania, which was acquired by PNC. So Tom was the- For uh, line, so I'm, I'm very familiar. Yeah. yeah. All right, so so Tom was the, the CEO of that bank. He was also chairman of the board at Point Park. He said, Chris, he said, I think we have some opportunity. I'm the board chair of this university. I think we have some opportunities to to grow and take things to a whole nother level. Would you take a look? And uh, that's how I got involved with Point Park probably over 20 some years ago. And so over the years, uh, our firm was uh, did most of the strategy work for Point Park, many of the strategic plans over the years, uh, you know, developing this. I worked closely with with Dr. Hedigan, who was a longtime president here, Paul was uh, CFO, well, CFO for the city. Then he was CFO for the university for several years, then a longtime president, I think about 16 years. And so our firm worked closely with Paul and his team, you know, a lot of the growth of the university. And so that's been, um, you know, really, really exciting. But I, I think that you know, my background is a management consultant. Uh, working with numerous industries and numerous types of organizations over the years, you know, from from pri- you know, private sector, large large corporate private sector, uh, you know, large institutions, nonprofits, governments, I I, I think gives you um, you know such such a a, a great breadth and depth uh, that you know you have a lot of experiences to bring to this very complex industry of higher education. Um, and so it's been, uh, I, I think very helpful having that background. And, and Chris, from a teaching perspective and keep me honest on my facts, but, um, in the work that you did through the, the high school, um, there was an emphasis on economic development. Was there not? Yeah, I, I, I've done a lot of work over the years and I've had an interest in, in economic development, regional economic development and a lot of research and also, I've been involved as a civic leader uh, in this community for the last three decades as well. And so uh, a lot of my work professionally and also a volunteer uh, has been kind of folks in that area. So successful business person, uh, adjunct professor, um, you're 30 years into that. You know, I I know a lot of folks start to think about shifting gears, right? Um, and, And maybe, I don't want to call it, be retired, but be, have a different definition of work-life balance, right? So you're, you're on the board at Point Park, um, president decides he's going to step down. Um, take, take me into that a little bit early stages of this year. Um, 
you know, you, you got you get involved as the interim president. How how does that happen? Yeah, so it's 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 funny. So I was starting to take those steps the last couple of years. I started to to semi retire. Right, I I was I, I was busy every day, but I don't know exactly what I was what, what I was accomplishing every day. But I I I focus more and more of my time in civic initiatives, board work. Uh, I was on a number of boards, number of national boards, and uh, on Point Parks board leadership of the board and about to become the next board chair. And, uh, we had to make a, we had to make a change. Um, we need a new president. So, you know, my colleagues on the board, uh, you know, asked me if I would consider this. And, um, you know, I, I always had in the, um, had in the back of my mind that, um, you know, I had an interest of going into higher education near the end of my career, you know, uh, maybe more full-time or more dedication to it just because I loved it. But um, I, I, I think it was um, a really uh, a really nice opportunity unfolded before us because I think that the stars kind of aligned, you know, with the, the challenges, particularly in our sector. I mean, the challenges across all higher ed, across all sectors. But in, in our sector, you know, the... Uh, uh, private nonprofit sector of higher education is particularly challenged in the Northeast, the United States as well, just because there's a a loss of traditional age students. Uh, there's a there's a demographic shift going on, so there are some of those challenges in the marketplace. And then um, I think the skill sets that I that I bring to bear of having you know expertise in higher ed, significant expertise in higher ed, higher ed administration. Um, my expertise and experience in regional economic development and just being a uh, civic leader, uh, been around here for three decades. And, you know, I have some pretty significant networks. I know people can get things done. I, I just think that was, um, is an opportunity for everyone. Plus, you know, my, uh, my wife was very pleased because she got me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a, a uh, a, a critical stakeholder in all of this, right? That's right. That's right. So, the most important. Yeah. So, so over the summer, you're formally named the ninth president at Point Park University, and and I like you know in a very Pittsburgh way kind of way, you know you're you're talking um, about right time, right place, right right moment, but you know you're doing it in a, in such a manner where it's very understated. It seems like you, you are the right person for the moment. And, and when I think about your background and some of the challenges that, that a university like Point Park is facing, um, that's something that, that really stands out to me as, you know, certainly as you and I have spent some time together over the past couple of weeks, but talk to me a little bit about the vision you have for the future of Point Park University. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's pretty exciting. Again, you know, this just this opportunity, I think, has unfolded and the stars have kind of aligned. So we've just gone through a process over the last 18 months. And and I became interim president February and then named permanent president at the end of July. And so I kind of finished off this this planning process. And, you know, we've, we've really doubled down on, you know, a, a major concept which, which is critical to our mission and, and it's we we are all about 
inspiring creativity and imagination in students through experiential learning. That is our sweet spot. All to advance, all to advance society. And, and we're embracing the fact that we are the downtown university. And so that that's that's the um, you know that that's the apex of this. That we feel that we have an opportunity to to significantly grow this university, have more impact back to our community, back to society, and while doing that, have an opportunity to be a major player in revitalizing the downtown. So, so you know, I, I feel it, and, and many others that post-pandemic downtowns across the United States, really across the world, are in transition. Right, they're transforming, and and I feel, and, and many feel that downtowns, unfortunately, the office workers are aren't going to come back into downtowns and droves. They're starting to come back, but not like it was. And we feel that downtowns are going to transform into centers of art and arts and entertainment and recreation. And boy, that's what we do as a university. That's really our our sweet spot. As a university, and we have a world-class conservatory of performing arts. You know, we've we've always been a major player in you know the performing arts and entertainment, entertainment technology, and media. Um, and so we're going to really lean into our strengths, and we have leaned into our strengths around our strategic plan to really you know fulfill you know that that purpose. And, you know why we exist. We exist to inspire creativity, and imagination through experiential learning. That's our differentiator. And we're doing this all to achieve our vision, that that North Star, and that's by becoming one of the most dynamic urban universities in America. And I think we're well on our way right now, but there are some more things that we can do to to really to really be there and be recognized as such. And, and for those of you that are not familiar with the city of Pittsburgh, Point Park University is the only university in downtown Pittsburgh today. Um, so in a lot of ways that, that also helps kind of reinforce that, that uniqueness that, that you're talking about. But, but I'd say, Chris, I mean, there are some, some macro factors at play here, right? And you mentioned, um, one of the, the most critical in some of your earlier comments, there's a national decline in college enrollment of the 18 to 22 year old. And that's certainly something that's impacting, um, the, the region, that, that Pittsburgh resides in um, as well. And how are you thinking about sort of taking those differentiators that you describe uh, to tackle some of the, the challenges in some different ways so that the university can continue to grow and be, and be vital to uh, the region? Yeah. So, so that's, you know, we have these, these areas of focus, these major initiatives of our of our strategic plan all outlined. Three of these elements of our strategic plan, three of these major initiatives are drivers. They're going to enable us to fulfill that mission and achieve that vision. And that's around our program excellence, you know, this this doubling down. We think we we really walk the talk around experiential learning and embracing the downtown, right? Um, and and the others through the student experience, treating a clue, truly inclusive environment, a one university campus where, you know, our students, faculty and staff are, are immersed and engaged as, as one community. And then the third major driver is around community engagement. And I'll, I'll, 
can speak to that more, but we also have three enablers of this plan, three initiatives that are going to enable us to get there. And the first enabler is growth. And so we, we are going to grow the university. And there's two reasons we're going to grow the university. One reason is we believe that we have a product that is in demand that others want. Yes, we recognize that we are sitting in the Northeast in Pennsylvania, and there is a major, a major shift, a significant decline in traditional aid students. But we are fortunate as a university that we have, we have six schools. One of our schools, our Conservatory of Performing Arts, is one of the top conservatories of performing arts in the country, if not one of the tops in the world. And so that school really has a national market. I mean, it's, it's you know, we charge thirteen, fourteen thousand more dollars a year in tuition. We have waiting lists, highly selective to get into. And so we're using that school and the might of that school to market and to attract stu students from other areas of the country because we know and empirically we have evidence that there are other areas of the country are not suffering this demographic loss of traditional aid students. And some of these areas also lack opportunities to attend a dynamic urban university. So we're in there. We're using the, 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 the might and attractiveness of our world-class conservatory performing arts, and we're creating synergies among our other five schools to bring prominence and exposure to those other schools. And so that's one of the areas we're going to grow. I and mean, we, we have a, an outstanding sports, arts, and entertainment management program. There's a synergy there with our with our conservatory, and there's that, that theme of enter, of entertainment and sports, and recreation. No, we just create. We have school of arts and sciences. And we have civil, electrical, mechanical engineering. We just created a minor in theatrical engineering, which is a unique niche, kind of around that area. Our school of education. We have our school of education is really rising. It is a major, major player now in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, major player, and also becoming a major player nationally. We just created the first ever teaching certification in dance. It was created through our school of education and our conservatory. So we're doing some very unique things. And so that's one of the areas, ways we're going to grow. The other area of growth is that we know that one out of five adults in the United States have started a degree, but haven't finished and have a desire to finish that degree. You know, in our mascot, we're the Point Park Pioneers. And we have always been pioneers in, in servicing, providing education for adult learners, non-traditional learners. And so we're going to be doing more things in those areas to go after those adult learners. One, just recently announced, we have a, this is, this is groundbreaking. Okay. We, we have a partnership with Bloomboard where we have created a pathway for to attract, you know, it, it actually we've, we've created a solution to address the teacher shortage across the United States. And what we've done is we've created a pathway to attract and enable paraprofessionals working in the, in the K-12 space, K-12 environment, provided a pathway for those paraprofessionals to gain teaching degrees and certifications while they're continuing to work enabling them to, the work and giving them academic credit for the excellent work they've been doing in the classroom for years. So that's just an example of, you know, that, you know, we're here to meet the demands of 
non-traditional students, adult students, and you know, providing a very innovative solution to solve a major problem that we're all being faced with. And so, so I'm, I'm so, extremely excited about the Bloomboard partnership. Um, you know, Small Worlds and Pittsburgh collide. My uh, my my brother-in-law is its president, and I know about some of the work that they're doing. And I think that 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 collaboration and partnership is going to be really unique for for your university. Yeah. Well, that's that's exciting. I mean, our audience is very um, is very in tune with the adult learner. So, you know, I, I'd love to hear just some of the other thoughts that you have about learning for for that uh, that that adult learner who may have finished some school or may be looking for some sort of a transition to 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 find uh, future career pathways. And I ask that question from the lens a little bit more from the lens of economic development, Chris, as you think about. Because I think one of the things in answering that, at least that, that that I think a lot about, is how do we make better connections between um, economic vitality and uh, the adult learner and, and what they're going to get out of that experience? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the benefits of of being you know the downtown university and you know really really embracing that. And you know our strategy is all about leverage. I mean, we're creating. Across all of our schools, we have advisory councils, you know, which are, you know, practitioners in industry who are providing advice on curriculum to all of our schools, evaluating the performance, evaluating the outcomes of, of those programs and building relationships and providing opportunities for our students. So, so this, this focus on experiential learning, whether you're a, a, a traditional age, freshman, whether you're an adult learner, we feel that adults learn best by doing. And so this, you know, this understanding where you're coming from and the experience that you have, and let's translate those experiences and, and, and give you credit for what you've, what you've done out there. But now let's, let's plug in and let's augment, uh, you know, the, those gaps and those things that you need, those competencies that you need to develop to get you prepared for a certification or, or to get you that degree or that advanced degree. And it's doing that, you know, it's doing that through collaboration with practitioners in industry, being able to apply what you do, you know, out in the quote unquote real world, or they may already be practicing. They may be already a working adult. How can we take what you're doing and augment it and, and augment and add value to what you're currently doing in your current job. And so, you know, that's what our, that's what our program, that's our educational programming is all about. And this, this focus on experiential learning is really critical, I think, to obviously the success of our students, but it's also, you know, the, the value that we give back to, give back to our community. You know, you know, back to our strategic plan, we have these three drivers, right? It's, it's around our program excellence, experiential learning, embracing the community, all that collaboration. And it's <clears throat> the student experience I talked about. But the, the third driver there is around community engagement. This is all about giving back, giving back to the community. That's where, you know, we're putting a stake in the ground. We're saying, you know, Point Park University can be the catalyst and will be the catalyst in, in, Renaissance three in Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh region, right? And it's it's about, you know, it's about tripartite collaboration with the university, 
you know, creating that vision, being the catalyst, being the driver, collaborating with government to grease the skids, provide the support, collaborating with industry, all the might resource of industry. And then there's a quad to this, and that's the philanthropic sector. And, and we have all of those. And so, you know, so we're, we're developing plans on how to revitalize downtown, but it's through giving our students opportunities. We want to have more people living downtown. So we want to grow the conservatory. We want to have more artists. We want to have artists and residents live on our campus. We have the, uh, we're, we're a collaborator with many other schools, the Pittsburgh Scholar House. There are 300 single parents who have small children who want to start or finish degrees. We want to house those families on our campus. We want them to be part of our university community. So again, now we're, we're, you know, preparing people, you know, with degrees and certificates to go out and add value and, 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 and add value to our region. But we're also, you know, bringing sustainable living on campus. We want to have retirement living on our campus. Where's a better place to retire than in the middle of a university campus in one of the most beautiful cities in North America? So could you imagine if we brought a thousand more people, sustainable living in downtown Pittsburgh, what that does for the vitality of downtown. And then all while we're doing this, we're giving back, we're creating, you know, um, recreational, uh, you know, uh, you know, rich opportunities in the arts and entertainment. Um, we want to have a, um, a community event center on campus where we have amenities for those additional thousand people plus living on campus and members of the community where they have opportunities to, uh, you know, uh, world-class recreational facilities, athletic performance, artistic performance space. And then some of the other things that we're doing to give back to the community and also provide opportunities for our students to apply what we learn. You know, we've been doing a lot of things. Uh, we've been getting a lot of, uh, you know, coverage in the media with some of the things that our PhD program and community engagement has been doing. You know, we've, we've done a study that there's identified that we need to have public restrooms downtown, that there's a need to clean alleyways and, and here's how you do it and here's why you do it. Well, we're going to formalize those activities. We're going to create an institute of community engagement right in the middle of our campus. You know, a, a, a storefront right in the middle of our campus to welcome members of the community to collaborate, to collaborate with our students faculty and staff to solve some of these problems facing urban areas, to see some of these opportunities that we have before us in these downtowns and these urban areas in our regions. And so it gives our students, faculty and staff, an opportunity to, gives our students an opportunity to apply what they're learning in the real world, it provides our faculty and staff opportunities for translational research and to do consulting. So these are, these are ways that we are that we are, you know, really walking the talk around providing experiential learning opportunities for our students while simultaneously giving back and hopefully advancing and adding value back to our community. I, I love it. I love it. I mean, when you think about the history of, of Pittsburgh as a, as a medium-sized city, um, some of the themes that just ring true across generations really do involve innovation and reinvention, right? And I, I think that's one of the things, those are those things don't always work in concert with one another. Um, but I, I think that Pittsburgh has 
has figured out, continually figured out a way to, to sort of bring those things together. And to me, it sounds like your, your plan embodies some of what makes this region what it is in, in bringing those things, um, you know, together in a way with, that, that strikes a great balance. And as I think about that, I mean, as a, as a, a Pittsburgh and a Pittsburgh, right? What, when you talk about Renaissance three, what do you think about? What are some of the things that, that, that sort of define Renaissance three for you as you think about the, the urban, you know, sort of reinvention of or evolution of our city? Well, you know, I, I think that you know, there are probably not many organizations or institutions like a university that can bring vitality to an area in vitality in a sustainable manner on a consistent basis, right? So that's, you know, that's one of the things I think that a university can really bring to bear. Um, the other is, you know, as a, as a university, we're almost, we create almost a basic economy where we are importing inputs, and that's hopefully importing students, and we hope that we can retain them here. Right. So that's, that's, you know, it's like a, you know, a basic economy, like producing steel, you know, you're, you're taking these inputs and you're, you're producing this, this value that creates wealth for a region. We, we can do that. Universities can do that. Right. We bring in students from outside of the region and we add value by, by educating them. And we add tremendous value and, and really wealth generation to the entire region if we're able to retain them here. So those are the things that we really want to do. The other thing that we can do to, you know, to really bring vitality is, is the university, you know, being a catalyst for Renaissance three, we think there's an immediate opportunity, you know, around our campus and using our campus as an anchor. We, we think there's an opportunity. We'd like to create a cultural corridor anchored on one end of the golden triangle by point park, at the Monongahela River, anchored on the other end of Wood Street. So along the Wood Street corridor, the other end of Wood Street is the Cultural District, the Cultural Trust. I think we're the two largest property owners. Cultural Trust thinks we're the largest. We think they're the largest, but we're the two biggest property owners downtown. And, and there's a tremendous opportunity there with PNC in the middle, and PNC's all over this, right? There's a tremendous opportunity for us to create this cultural corridor right through the middle, right through the middle of the Golden Triangle, and then connect it to the great developments that's already been done on the North Shore. What an incredible opportunity that we can really bring vitality to the to the downtown, just you know, take it up to a whole other level, particularly as as downtowns, including ours, transform after the you know post pandemic. Tremendous opportunity, and in that vibrancy, boy, you know. Another thousand, you know, we have over 4,000, 5,000 students, you know, and you had another, you know, thousand students, faculty, staff, uh, vendors, you know, activity around the university. That's, that's pretty powerful. And then, you know, and, and those, those students are buying products and services here. They're providing the labor force for, you know, for a lot of the businesses in, in this region, and, and particularly the, you know, if you're looking at you know, becoming centers of arts, uh, entertainment, recreation, that, that's a lot, of, uh, a lot of students provide that workforce and provide those services. 
particularly when you have you know a strong school in the performing arts and entertainment, entertainment, technology, and media. I mean, that's that's our some of our strengths, strong suits. You know, right so here in the downtown. You you gotta you gotta plan. You have a bit, or I should say, you have a vision. You have a plan. I think it's a really exciting one. Um, you also have have recognized the need to bring in talented people to help uh, develop and 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 really execute against this plan. Um, I had a chance to meet a a new uh, vendor data partner to you, your university um, last week, and he's not from the the Pittsburgh region. He's from California, and his comment to me was. He said, you know, the thing that struck me, I go talk to colleges and universities every day, is that I was on that campus and the energy that the leadership team had um, was kind of palpable. And he said, the other thing was you, he met a number of relatively newly hired leaders that are part of your team who were inspired by the vision and, and seemed to bring some fresh thinking to what you're trying to do. Can you just talk to me a little bit about, like, as a leader how you've thought about bringing a team together and, and some of the, the new hires that you've made um, since you've been in the seat? Yeah, I, I think leadership's critically important. You know, when I started, I focused on on three things. First thing I did was listen. And I, I established listening sessions right, I think, my right after my first week. Listen, listen, listen. So I spent over, uh, you know, a couple months listening across the entire university community to really understand what was going on. And then the second thing is, you know, listening, then really understanding the culture because, you know, there, there's a, there's a value chain here, right? Peter Drucker said, always said that uh, culture will eat strategy for breakfast. You have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't have a culture that's aligned with that strategy and that helps enable the attainment of that strategy, the strategy is going to go nowhere. And so, you know, we have to work, we have to work and build on the culture, make sure that happens. And then, you know, strategy drives, turns into, you know, structure and execution. Well, you can't execute a lousy strategy, right? Because you have to have a good strategy. So, so, so I, I focused on listening, understanding the culture, and then leadership. I mean, it, it takes leadership. It, it, it takes, you know, leadership by, you know, Number one, you know, I'm, I'm a really big fan of uh, Kuss Composers. You know, they have a they have a book, The Leadership Challenge. You know, it's it starts by challenging the process. You have to look at things like, okay, this is great, this is cool, but boy, is there an opportunity to make this even better? That's that's the mindset. Is wow, this is cool. Can we make this even better? And it's not being afraid to experiment and take risks. You know, in order to to win in a hockey game, you have to shoot the puck. Relation number of times you shoot the puck and number of times you score, and you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay to make mistakes, but you have to try. And so what we've done is we're doing things significantly, substantively different, and we're expecting different results, and we're starting to get different results. So so part of this, you know, I had some opportunities to uh, to add some folks to our uh, senior team here at the university and also a couple other, you know, areas of the university. And, and we've done so. And, you know, we've, we've brought in people who are, you know, who are dynamic, out of the box thinkers, 
uh, who are not afraid to take risks, um, and and you know who are uh, you know who are visionary, and so <clears throat> that's how we're. I think I know that's how we're going to be able to pull this off. You know, change management requires you know two things in particular, and that's that's leadership, right? You have to be able to you know <clears throat> challenge a process. You have to be able to. Uh, you know, de- develop a shared vision and enable others to enable others to you know act and get involved in the process. It's all about leverage. Leverage. It also requires, I think, stakeholder engagement and understanding the importance of stakeholder engagement. You know, and a good example was our strategic planning process. You know, for years I've been beating into the heads of my graduate students. This little equation, I sub E equals QA. The effectiveness of any initiative is the product of two variables, quality times acceptance. And the quality is the easy part. That's what we all went to school for. Okay, do we have the right expertise, experience, resources, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's, that's the easy part. But it's quality times acceptance. You can have the best quality, you can have the best minds develop the best plan, but if people don't buy into it, if faculty don't buy into it, Staff don't buy it. It's not going to go anywhere, right? It's it's it's, a, it's two variables. So you're trying to get, you know, a scale of one to ten. You're trying to get ten times ten, not ten times zero, is zero, right? And so you're you're trying to optimize that, right? And get that as high as possible. And a good example is our strategic planning process. We had an eighteen month process, very rich in stakeholder engagement. So we had we had all constituents of the university community, even external community, involved in in adding to the queue to make sure that we had the right experience, the right expertise, the right data, the right resources to figure this out. And they were all engaged in the process. So that elevates the acceptance. And so, you know, there, there's also a, there's a concept in the education literature, and it's called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics speaks to this 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 concept, this fact that oftentimes process is just as valuable, and sometimes it's even more valuable than the end product. And so, you know, that's why you know change is hard. Change is always hard. It's it's not natural for most of us to want to change, but when you have when you have leadership. To, to be the catalyst of the process and get things going and, you know, create that shared vision, inspired others to add to that vision and, and enabling other people to act and get engaged um, along with a robust stakeholder engagement process. You have a chance to make change and make change so it works and sticks. And that's what we're trying hard to do. And we're having fun while we're doing it. Well, Which I, is even I, I I would say the only thing I would add to your equation is I think energy uh, is a is a a force uh, an accelerator on on that equation, right? If you bring the right energy and you bring the right mindset, um, if you're thinking about opportunity versus challenge, and you're thinking about solution versus problem, you know it's incredible what people can achieve together. That's right. That's right. You're right. Well, so uh, last question for me, but what's your legacy in all this? 10 years, 15 years from now, what do you hope people say about it? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, 
I want to leave this university and I want to leave Pittsburgh better than I found it. That's my legacy. I, I love Point, I've come to love Point Park over the years. I was introduced to it over 20 years ago. I love this university. I love what this university is all about. I, you know, I love what we accomplish as a university. And uh, I also love Pittsburgh. You know, I, I'm a lifelong Pittsburgher. My mother's side of the family goes back, you know, uh, Revolutionary War, uh, you know, all from this, all from this area. And, uh, and, I, and I just, I just love this region. And so what it's all about is, is leaving something better. And it's, you know, it is, you know, is, is, uh, you know, you, you get older and you've had, you know, you, we, we have our, we have our war, we have our, you know, uh, war wounds and we have our, our gray here and, you know, we've had our, you know, we've had our wins and losses over the years and, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we've made some money that the thing that's really important is you get, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I know I'm in the fourth quarter of the game right now, right? I'm in the fourth quarter and you know, never, you never know when the clock's going to run out. It's got to, you know, and, and it's, it's all about how many people can I impact, impact positively before time's out? How many lives can I touch positively before time's out? That's what it's all about. And that's the legacy that, uh, that you know, my team and I want to leave here. We want to leave this place better than we found it. And we want, we want to leave Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh region better than we found it. So let's, let's spend this precious time and resource and let's add some value. And, and I'd say this, Chris, I've, I've had the good fortune, um, throughout my life to have spent time with some of the, the leaders in our region who are older than me. And, and I can say through the benefit of time, probably the, the most consistent thing that I've taken from those interactions is what you just said, which is when I ask them questions about what they, what they want to leave, or even if I don't, they talk about wanting to leave things better than they found it themselves. They talk about service and they talk about their love of Pittsburgh. And so as, as one Pittsburgher to another, um, I just want to thank you for, for what you're doing. Uh, I'm inspired by it. And, and I, I would say, uh, and I don't say, I don't say this, uh, frequently, I would say I would count you as somebody who's in, in that, that category of Pittsburgh leader. So I appreciate you joining our podcast today. Um, I'm incredibly inspired by what you're doing. And uh, I look forward to, to not just being here uh, to see your vision come to life, but uh, to, to see what it does for my kids and, and their kids in the future. Well, thank you very much. And thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, one last thing, go Pioneers. I love it. I love it. Go Pioneers. Thank you so go much, Chris. Pioneers.